0: Oh, you just got to listen up for this. Creative, fun, highly likable. A personality. No, no, no. I mean, a true personality. That's where we're going today. East Coast, West Coast, Florida, CHR, Hot AC, Young Country, New Country, and Christian. Oh, and we are going to visit with fun. An experience today. Somebody who always seems to be up for fun and up for making things easier. So it's not just, it's not just that this person is fun. You work around this person, they have a tendency to make things easier. Isn't that a blessing? All right. So, so let's just talk about this for a minute. Okay. This is somebody who always makes things easier. Hmm, I like that. Today, We are going to talk about what you can learn across a career and the value of being open to helping others. This sounds like exactly the kind of person we'd love to talk to on our podcast, and it is. Welcome to The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast on Apple, Audible, Spotify, or almost anywhere you get your podcast. say that to people so that they can share it with others and they know where to get it, right? Okay, so we always have these individual episodes that you can just access anytime at ringmakerpathway.com or you can subscribe wherever you get your podcast and you'll get all of our shows. Now, if you're a regular listener of this podcast, you know that we have a fresh weekly episode featuring a radio pro active in our business each Sunday. This isn't about the past or talking about what radio used to be. We are all about discovering what's working today right now. To enjoy our podcast, you only have to be interested in others open to encouragement, advice, connections, tools to get ahead, and ways to make your radio career more profitable and successful. Each week, we have an opportunity for you and for me to see a snapshot of an individual in our business. It allows us to see radio from a different perspective, a different career arc than maybe yours or mine, and hear how they're embracing radio right now. Now, my name is Lloyd Ford. I'm with Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works, or RPC. Everyone knows, everyone in the radio business, they know that programming consultants in our business, they focus on music, talent coaching, marketing, and those programming elements that improve local radio brands, except one consultant. The one exception works on music, the talent coaching, the marketing, all those programming elements known to improve improve those local radio brands. But we also help local radio owners and managers leverage the improvements into more sales, bigger revenue growth. In addition to on-air coaching, we also help local owners and managers with the talent they really worry about, their sales team. Even our name means Pathway to Money, Rainmaker Pathway Consulting Works. When we go to work with local radio clients and they follow our collaborative process, their revenue and their profit margin rises. Ideas are the new technology. Where do your ideas come from? Do you have enough ideas to intrigue the clients that you really want this year? Are your local radio stations really programmed, updated, and positioned to collect the most revenue in your market today? Do you need better sales recruitment strategy? Oh, yeah. We can help you. Schedule a meetup by email. It's easy. First consultation is free and always confidential, F-O-R-D at brainmakerpathway.com. We're less than a minute from welcoming Ellis B. Feaster. Listen, he does mornings at Z88.3 in Orlando. So we're going to the land of Mickey, so to speak. A big thank you to Joe Kelly for producing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Thanks to JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing our podcast. By the way, you can see what you can get for you, your sales manager, individual sellers, programmers, personalities. This stuff is absolutely free on our website regularly in our free blog section. There you will find almost a thousand articles of encouragement because we need encouragement in our business and more coming each and every week. Also, we have something called Encouraging Sales Success and our More Than Live and Local series. Now, let's turn our attention to our guest, Ellis. Welcome to the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. How are you? I am doing great now that I'm here. Man, you're always that guy that is always so positive and has so much light and energy. You can really feel it. You know, we talk a lot on the encouragers about how being on the radio doesn't always translate for everybody. Well, I think you're something special. I actually think that not only do you translate well on the radio,
1: but your joy does. Has anybody ever said that to you? I bet they do. Yeah, I I have heard that. Uh, I've always known that joy and happiness and a good time is contagious and people want to be a part of it. So I think that's worked to my advantage. Yes. let's, Let's get started before radio. Now, Ellis, I want you to
0: think. Close your eyes. Okay. Okay. And I want you to think back to before you were in the radio business. I want to ask you about your first experience. As a radio listener, that you
1: remember, what was that like for you? I remember the radio being my best friend. I got my first little transistor radio when I was about 10 years old, and I took it everywhere. I took it to school, and I wasn't supposed to. I walked around with it everywhere. I loved listening to WFIL Philadelphia, WABC New York, WNBC, but then I took it a step further. I found myself listening to people like Gene Clavin on WNEW in New York. Just the way he just did all this theater of the mind. I would listen to Bob and Ray on WOR. I was a huge fan of the CBS radio mystery theater and the dramas they would do. I would just love the way radio would just paint these pictures in your mind. And I don't know what it was from the time I was 10 years old, I fell in love with it. And I just kept listening ever since. It's so interesting
0: that you are talking about all this imagination, how imagination worked. And and I always try to encourage that in our business. Listen, who gave you your first job in the radio business?
1: Okay. um, This is kind of weird. Um, When I was in high school, I bought a hot dog cart and started a street vending business. Um, really? Worked worked my way up to five hot dog carts. <laughs> oh my God. Um, while I was in college, I would hire other people to run it while I was in school. And then when I was back, I'd be out there working it myself. And uh, while I was out there, I was down the street from a radio station in Philadelphia called Wi-Fi 92. And there was a guy who worked there, Steve Rivers. And he would come to my hot dog cart and he let me know who he was, where he worked. I had a million questions. Every time he'd come out to buy a hot hot dog or a hot sausage, I'd ask him another question about radio. He could tell I was kind of a radio geek. And I told him I really wanted to go on the air. And while I was a student at Hofstra, I'm doing a little bit of radio at the college radio station. And he said, wait, 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 wait,
0: wait, Wait. This is not the
1: Steve Rivers. It is Is the Steve rivers yes it is oh my god and so i told him i wanted to work in radio he said let me call a friend he called a friend of his at a radio station in hammington new jersey a little teeny tiny market and the next weekend i'm working saturday night
0: <laughs> all me, right so
1: it. nobody
0: ever comes on this podcast and says everything starts with steve rivers it's like wow All right. So you uh, you attended Hofstra University. What was the plan for your life? It sounds like you're a little bit of an entrepreneur. What did you want to get out of university and what has stayed with you, Alice?
1: The official plan was, well, my dad said ever since I was about three years old, I had the gift of gab. Yes. So he said, you ought to be a lawyer. I'm like, okay. So I kind of bought into it, and I'm going to school, planning on going down the road of eventually going to law school and becoming a lawyer. Uh, But the plan he didn't really know about was, man, I'm really liking this radio thing. I want to do this. And I told my dad I wanted to do that. He's like, no, I've heard there's no money in that. Don't do that. But I'm kind of hard-headed. And once I landed that job at Hofstra, at um, the radio station in Hamilton, New Jersey. I just kept going, but Hofstra okay. was a great school. And you, the reason why I chose Hofstra, mm-hmm. a lot of people think it's because they had a great broadcasting program, with they, which they did. But I went there because I heard Dan Ingram went there.
0: Really? Now, did your dad ever come around
1: to the you yes. know to the broadcasting? Yes, he did. It took a long time. Uh, My dad was a work in the sheriff's department and was also a pastor. And so when I did move on to law, he didn't really want me in rock and roll radio, didn't think that was the Mm. right place for me and kept saying, if you're going to do this, you need to get into Christian radio. And I always said, dad, if the opportunity ever presents itself, I'll look into it.
0: (laughs) He pointed to the future. How interesting. Listen, let's talk about the 1980s. You worked in New Jersey, Atlantic City, Wilmington. Mm-hmm. It wasn't until 1988 that you ventured to Roanoke at K92. Was there a similarity about these operations in the Northeast that you could tell us about?
1: You know what? I, when I was in the Northeast, it seems like they were, they were all more business. And when I got to K92 in Roanoke, it seemed like we had creatives really running the joint. In fact, Our general manager was a guy named Al Casey, who was known for his days at WPGC in Washington. So with a guy like this, really creative at the top, he was all about creativity and stretching yourself. And if you make a mistake, it's okay. Just keep growing, try new things. And I had never had that in the Northeast. It was always read the cards, stick to what you're supposed to do. Don't do this. Don't do that. And he was like, Go ahead, try it. If it sounds good, try it. Just don't jeopardize the license.
0: <laughs> oh, always important.
1: Listen, in, in that early
0: part of your career, you did, now listen to this, I, of course, you lived it. Uh, full-service AC, urban, the Contemporary, All News, and CHR.
1: Was this like Radio University to you, Ellis? It really was. Uh, I didn't really expect to do <laughs> that much bouncing around, but my second station was uh, an urban station in Atlantic City, WUSF. And I really desired to go across town to work at the CHR, W-A-Y-V. So one day I just stopped in. I met the PD. We talked for a few minutes. I told him I'd really like to do something over here. And he says, well, I just don't see you here. I see you as an urban jock. And I'm of like, I'm like of I, even though I started out in full service, they see, yeah, you're an urban job." He said this without ever hearing an air check or listening to me. I don't know if it was the fact that I'm black or just the fact that I was working in a station to play black music, but that's where I belong. So that fired me up back then that, well, I'm not going to let anybody define me. And I'm going to try to do as many different things to make myself as versatile as I can in this business. And one of the things I did was I said, and I'm never doing overnight because being a minority back then, they normally stuck you on the overnight shift. And that's where you stayed for the rest of your life. And I wasn't having that. I said, I'm going to come in here. I'm going to be a talent. I plan to do drive time. And I'm going (laughs) to.
0: So interesting, you know, uh, I know that a lot of people hear this and they've not had that experience, you know. I'm listening to you talk about that guy and I'm thinking, you know, and I'm translating it for me is, is this guy racist or does he have low vision? (laughs) One of those things, listen, and this is terrible. You said uh, you don't like for people to label you. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. It's like you're (laughs) such a fun person, Ellis. You're such a fun person. I want to know, were you a good news person?
1: I was a horrible news person. Uh, I did news, I did news for two whole months at News Radio 1450 WILM, Wilmington, Delaware. So I'm not even sure why they hired me, but they did. And then they complained almost every day. Uh, yeah, you got to bring it down. Your news stories sound too happy, Like, too happy. <laughs> and so I would try to sound more serious. And they're, they're like, "Well, now you sound like you're trying to force your voice low." I'm like, oh. so I felt like I couldn't win. So I would right. try to do stories more serious, as much as I would talk about, like, four people killed when a car hit a tree today. We'll have details for you in just a moment. It, it just wasn't working. So they let me go. But I did learn a valuable lesson by doing that. And that was, you have to do things to play to your strength to be successful. Do yes. things that are in your wheelhouse. That doesn't mean don't step out and try other things, but just recognize where your strengths are. Go in that direction, and you'll normally find the success by doing what you are good at.
0: Now, you see why we do these interviews with people. He just gave you a lesson from Radio Wisdom right there. All right, but but look, you are a guy that is, is willing to try things. Uh, you had a turn as a TV weatherman at TV40 in Atlantic City. How <laughs> in the heck did that develop, and did you like? doing
1: weather on television well at one point in atlantic city i was working at wond and wmgm fm and we had a tv station wmgm tv and one day uh the weatherman had just up and quit and they literally asked if anybody would like to come in this evening and do weather that's why i said i would so with zero experience and just enthusiasm i went in and did weather uh, filled in, they were happy, and then they offered me uh, the noon newscast every day to do weather, and they'd be the fill-in weather guy on 6 and 11. So I did oh. that for a couple of years. Uh, it was fun, but radio was my first love. And on top of that, it seemed like when I was on TV, everybody in the building knew how to do my job better than I did.
0: <laughs> oh, you just described what it's like to be a program director in radio, by the way. I'm just to let you know that. There um, you go. <laughs> Listen, my my information says that you you first did mornings, uh W-O-N-G or W M or W G M G, sorry, Atlantic City. Was yes. mornings? Was that an early goal for you? You said a few minutes ago, you said, look, I'm gonna be on the drive time. Was it mornings that you wanted? I I just
1: I was happy doing mornings or afternoons. For some reason, I've never held down middays. Nobody ever wants to hire me for midday. Uh, I I wanted to be where the highest visibility was on the station. And so that was my goal. And I'm like, I may not be the best, but I'm just going to work harder than everybody else and do so much prep and put so much into it that Mm -hmm. I'm going to get attention. And I did. All right.
0: So that's interesting that you said all of those things together, because that's going to draw into my next question a little bit. Uh, people always think, well, these great talents, they all started out. They were great. They were so great. How different was your morning show in 1986 from the one you do today?
1: Oh, uh, back in 86, I relied on all of the typical radio cliches. you know, from, all right, let's read this boring list of birthdays today. Uh... And here's what happened in the news back on this day, back in 1933, all these things that a lot of shows do. And if your show does that, I'm not knocking you, but right. it doesn't really connect with the listener. And as time went on, I tried to get away from those things and just did more things that work on building a relationship between me and the listener. So when I would meet them in public, oh, I remember the time you did this. I remember the time you told me about that. Oh, I remember when you was how sad you were the day your sister died. I remember. So I just started sharing my life with people, nice. and and it seems like just me being open and transparent drew people in and showed. Yeah, this guy on the radio is just going through a lot of the same stuff you did. It almost seemed to me. Like when I started out radio, the whole thing was, hey, look at me. Look at me. Look how big and great I am. And then it kind of evolved to, mm, I, I want to show you I'm just like you. I'm like you. I got the same problems, the same issues. We're all in the same world. Let's get through this together.
0: Mm-hmm. Well, listen, you know, it's, it's interesting uh, as we kind of have traveled through consolidation and all this in the radio industry, a lot of people have reached back outward in every way that they can with some anger formed around the words live and local. uh, I try to insert something a little extra in there and go be relational, be relational. That's what's important. And, and Ellis, you just knocked it out of the park in in saying, this is the path to go down, making yourself vulnerable, making yourself more like the person that you're trying to connect with. Listen from K92, you went to Z one Oh four in Norfolk. Now, was there a learning curve with a large military audience? And what was Z-104 like back then?
1: (laughs) Well, Z-104 was basically a clone of Z-100 in New York. The morning show I was on called the Z-Morning Zoo. We used the same jingles. Sometimes we even ripped off their bits. But every market you have, Something special or unique to that market, and I always figure you got to find that, figure out what it is, and then cater to it. It was easy in Norfolk because, if, for us, it was Navy wives whose husbands were deployed somewhere. Yeah, so they're home, they're with the kids, they're the only adult in the house, and we would just find ways to relate to them, to talk to them, to show we understand your lifestyle. We would try to go out and do things to take care of those military wives who are alone, like um, do makeovers for the wit- for the wives whenever ships would come in uh, and return to Norfolk. we do parody songs that were military based or had the military in mind. We did military greetings around the holidays from guys who were deployed all around the world and just did everything we could to try to make the Navy wives feel like we're your friend. And we understand what you're going through. And when we would meet them, they would so appreciate it. Somebody would like come up and show us their kids. Here's my kid. We listen every morning, waiting for daddy to get back home from Iraq or wherever they were. It was just a great experience.
0: Well, listen, 1992 comes, and this marks kind of a shift in music a little bit that was kind of unexpected. It also marks a big change for you. The hot new country wave hit the country, and uh, look, they they developed something called the Young Country brand. Uh, and of course, B-94.5 did this in Orlando. Oh, there's a familiar there's a familiar name, Orlando. Uh-huh. You you became mornings. How different was it for you to come from top 40 to country?
1: Well, I, it was the same energy and I would try to use the same creativity, I grew up in Philadelphia, and there was very little country music there. I knew Mm. nothing about country. I knew nothing about the lifestyle. And so I'm trying to figure out ways to ingratiate myself with this audience that I really know very little about. And I was so fortunate at the time when I was at B94.5, there was a kindred spirit at the radio station. His name's Buzz Jackson. He works out in Tucson at Kim. <laughs> and
0: Incredible we, human being.
1: Yes. We just started brainstorming ways to try to connect to this listen, these listeners. And so what we did was we said, we can't fake this. They'll smell that a mile away. Yes. So what we would do is turn it around and say, you know, we know nothing about digging. We know nothing about alligator hunting. We know nothing about doing the push, push, and we would just always bring up things and have listeners teach us or show us how to do it and help us get into the lifestyle that way. And Is that when your you...
0: idea or Buzz's idea? Whose idea was that crazy idea?
1: I think it was both of us together. Pretty we even brilliant. Used... we used to do this thing we used to call Buzz and Ellis's Excellent Adventure, where whatever's going on at your house or your event or your school, tell us about it. Maybe we can come out and be a part of it. And so we bring the van, like somebody would have a backyard barbecue. Oh, we'd show up at the barbecue with the van, hang out with everybody, meet everybody, toss out some t-shirts, hang with them for an hour. And to this day, 30 years later, I still have people saying, Oh, I remember that time you guys came with the van and came to our wedding. Oh, we remember the time you came to that backyard barbecue. I remember the time you came to my son's graduation. Just all these little things that made such great connections, so much so, that a third of a century later, they're still talking about it.
0: Just imagine if somebody from like a Bain Capital ended up listening to our podcast and they heard you say that, they'd be like, what is that? I can't put that on a spreadsheet. (laughs) really can listen 1995 you did this so well you were hired away to k106 in seattle this is like a well you talk about a left turn this takes you right into one of the most heated country battles that there is talk about the geography change maybe what did you learn by you know have gun we'll travel out west (laughs)
1: <laughs> and that was how i felt i felt like a higher gun going from town to town um it seattle was great i it was a big city and hey i'm from philly i lived in new york i understand big cities and the big city problems and big city issues and big city fun so i tried to tie myself into that and country in seattle was different than country in the south uh but people were still outdoorsy, so I would still try to do things that were outdoorsy. I had never gone skiing before, so I had a couple of listeners take me skiing. Um, we ate something called a gooey duck, which is something, uh, some type of thing that lives in the sand in the Pacific Northwest. I would just find... Wait, wait, these- wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. It's not actually a duck?
1: No. It's like oh. a clamp with a thyroid problem.
0: Oh, I see. And, see, they weren't hanging you, though, were they?
1: No, no, no. <laughs> really a thing they do. What was that? It's really a thing they do. It's really a thing they do. They go out and hunt for gooey duck, and they go for clams, and they just—it's such an outdoorsy area, the Pacific Northwest. So I just jumped into it. I brought the show into it as much as I could, and just had a ball. And things were going great until. Uh, we got sold by Heritage Media.
0: <laughs> All right. So listen, yeah. <laughs> after Seattle, you actually went to Oldies 98.9 in Rochester. I, I happen to know you did this twice. Uh, mm-hmm. It's so nice you did it twice. I, I'm going to uh just kind of lean in. The second time you were there, it became 99 BBF, which is kind of a legendary, they kind of incorporated that in. What was that experience like? And maybe between the two times.
1: It was fun. I mean, all these, a lot of people back in the day, a lot of jocks I knew always said, oh, I don't want to do all these. I don't want to do all these. Uh, but it was a fun format. The music was fun. The music was two and a half minutes. So you had to be on your game. Yeah. But- it was just a fun market. Rochester was a cool city. I loved the people there. It was a little too cold for my liking, but it was fun. And just playing all these there for three years was, was just awesome. I had a blast.
0: And yeah, when you have to learn the term lake effect snow, oh. I feel I feel like the geography is off. I feel like that's a curable problem with a yeah. moving truck. <laughs> So, and nothing again, but like you said, in Rochester, the, the people there are so amazing. So yes. before your second tour of duty in Rochester, you did hot AC mornings, B98.7 in Salt Lake City. Did, did you feel like, man, you're, you're just this guy on a mission. How different was hot AC for you and how different was Salt Lake? Because Salt Lake is a different kind of place.
1: Yeah, it is. Um, <laughs> Hot AC was fine. It was. I was just toned down from CHR a bit. I had fun with it. But I did have trouble connecting in that market because it is such a heavy LDS market, a heavy Mormon population. Yeah. And I'm, you know, as far from Mormon as you can get. Um, so I was trying to connect, but I really had a hard time there. The ratings were only so-so at the station. I had ball, and I made a lot of friends. And I did learn a lot about the area. I always said Salt Lake City was hauntingly beautiful. But I did feel like a fish out of water there. never completely felt comfortable. So I said, uh, they decided to let me go, because I guess they didn't think I felt comfortable there after a couple of years. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, So I left, but it was an experience. I'm glad I went.
0: Well, it's interesting. You know, you have expressed a couple of different times in your career, and this is important because we say this all the time, but we're encouragers and we want to be encouraging. Sometimes you find yourself in the wrong chair or on the wrong bus. And it's important to be able to recognize that and try to get that fixed, (laughs) you know, because you don't want to be uncomfortable. You don't want to feel out of place. uh, Here's something interesting. A couple of times during this interview, you've talked about. The importance of being that guy that doesn't get pigeonholed. Okay. Mm-hmm. How important do you think it has been for you to have experiences in different formats and in different geography?
1: Oh, I think huge. You know, it gave me, I think it made me much more well rounded. It has <laughs> allowed me to survive format chains when I could go back to them and say, oh, I've done this format. Okay. And then you get to stay. Everybody else is fired. That's happened to be funny. Um, And I think just all the geography changes has helped to make my current show in Orlando more Mm -hmm. interesting. Because Orlando is kind of a transient town. As we often say here, nobody is from Orlando. It's just like everybody is from someplace else. So I can do things on the air like, hey, uh, what's your name? Joanne? Hey, Joanne, where are you from? Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Hey, have they cleaned that Monongahela River yet? Or something like, uh, Mm. uh, where where are you from originally? Rochester, Rochester. Hey, when you come down, you bring some garbage plates. I'd love to have one. Did they ever have a good garbage plate here in Orlando? And so I just worked all this stuff from working around the country into just everyday conversation here.
0: Fabulous. Listen, things do get a little more serious here because I get to talk to you about Big O in 2000. (laughs) You must have been known to the people in Cox Radio. You end up back in Orlando, but this time you're at K92. Now, that's a whole different deal. Who hired you this time? How different was your morning show in Orlando this time in 2000?
1: All right. This time, um, yeah, I was hired by Cox Radio. Now, the station I worked for was actually the. Sister station to K92, but back then it was owned by New City Communications. So it was all the same people I worked for. So Steve holbrook our ops manager, and Len Shackleford, the PD, hired me here right away when they heard I wanted to come. In fact, um, uh, they had an afternoon guy. They actually mm-hmm. shook his shift and created a hole in afternoon so I could come in here to do afternoons. And I did that for a short time, and then I moved to morning. And I would say at this point, I'm moving more into the relational stuff, Mm -hmm. uh, building that relationship with the listeners, finding those common things we all deal with, and examine them, and take them apart, talking about our kids, our families, our dogs, our trucks. (laughs) But it really helped that the audience knew me. And at this point, the audience I was talking to on Young Country, well, they're a little older now. And we made such an impact on young country that I shot the number one in afternoon drive in only 18 months. Mm -hmm. And then I moved to mornings and we took mornings from like seventh or eighth place up to number two.
0: Excellent. Listen, you were there for seven years. Now we really get to learn. In 2007, you made a big change. At Mm -hmm. least this is what it looks like to us. You went to work doing mornings. 2007 Mm -hmm. at z88.3 i mean first you gotta learn to say (laughs) z88.3 that's not you know and was that really a big change for you or did you just go oh my this is where i should be
1: well z88.3 approached me after i was let go from k92 the country station, and they Mm -hmm. said we'd love to have you here we know you're a person of faith We love the show you did at K92. We would just love to have you bring it over here, that positivity, and we think it would be perfect for us. Everybody Mm. thought I was perfect for this radio station except me. (laughs) Is it for real? Yes. I did not think I was the right person because I'm thinking I'm no pastor. I'm no theologian. I'm just goofy me who happens to be a believer. But I just didn't think I was the right person. And I'm still talking to other radio stations in Seattle, in Memphis, another one in Orlando, a couple of other stations. And yeah. I just kept feeling like this is where you should go. And I was scared because moving to Christian radio, it meant something. This was important. Yeah. It wasn't me just having some yuck. I'm here trying to show God's light every morning and point people to Christ. And I just didn't think I was the right person. And I even prayed long and hard about it. God, if this is where you want me to go, give me a sign. Well, Cox Radio had me in a six-month non-compete. Z was willing to wait a few months for me to get there. But Cox let me out of the non-compete to go to this station and only this station, probably because they were, I would go to a commercial station and hurt them. If they're on the little yeah. Christian station, who cares? Right. Um, and then I'm still praying, God, give me a sign. And my wife says, they just let you out of your non-compete at attack, go.
0: <laughs> and so that's I went, why we listened to the why.
1: Right. So I went and I was so nervous and I shouldn't have been. It was a great fit. The people there are all good. All the people there are from commercial radio. So they bring all the sensibilities of commercial radio to Christian radio. And within two years, we went from about eighth place to the number one morning show in the market. I Mm. did not realize a Christian station could be the number one station in the market, or at least not back then, around 2008,
0: 2009. I just listen to you, and I think about Moses, and I think about,
1: you know, Lord, you don't mean me. You need someone
0: else. Yes. me. No, it's so intimidating. Can you share... Kind of the major difference uh, between your work in a station like K92 and Z88.3, because I think a lot of people will be fascinated with that. It's like it is crossing over, and those are two
1: incredible lifestyle formats. Right. Uh, One thing that really amazed me when I first got over here was I found out many listeners that are listening to Z88.3. Came from the country station, K-92. Ding, so ding. I already started with a lot of the listeners knowing who I was, but just doing this format, it's a, many of the elements are similar. We're here talking about family. We're here talking about Orlando. We're talking about what goes on in our lives, but then we can add that extra element of faith into it and just try to help people start their day with something that's positive, that's encouraging, you know, you listen to like most of the other stations around town, uh, you're just hearing some things that are just really edgy. You put on the talk radio these days, it's like anger. There's so much oh, anger. And right. we just want to be the place just to go away from that. We come, we smile, and we've heard so often people say, I couldn't start my day without you. Even dealing with the traffic on Interstate 4, you guys make it so much better for us. So I'm just thankful I can be a part of it. I didn't even realize God could use a goober like me in radio, but I'm so thankful he does. And I am just blown away by the impact the radio station has on people's lives and how many people gravitate towards it every week.
0: Oh, Ellis, I got to tell you, I, I think it's the impact that you don't see that is probably bigger than, it's like uh, it's like the iceberg thing, right? You're only seeing the 10% at the top. Especially in a market like Orlando, think about your opportunity to wander into somebody's life because they flipped on your station and got some really needed hope, right? Mm -hmm. All right, so I'm going to change up on you, and we're going to get maybe a little bit more fun. I don't know. Certainly for listeners of our podcast, this will be fun. Ellis. Can yes, you please yes. tell us about the LSB Feaster radio channel on YouTube? <laughs> what
1: about is 15, that? All right, about 15 years ago, I was going through I have boxes and boxes and boxes of tapes of radio stations I recorded over the years. Uh for my 12th birthday. My parents gave me something that I think changed the trajectory of my life, a cassette tape recorder. And when I got that cassette tape recorder, I was recording everything. I'd run around and record family members and interview them. Then I'd get a little razor blade and edit on a cassette tape, move their words and phrases around and make them say what I wanted to say. The family got such a kick out of it. And I really think that cassette recorder put me on the track to where i am today and i used to record every radio station just to understand what they were doing other kids are recording the music i'm recording well, oh look at what he did and trying to figure out why the jocks are doing what they do when i started in radio i kept recording i probably was recording radio up until about 2000 and i just have boxes and boxes and boxes of cassettes. and i said i gotta get rid of these cassettes you know what i'll do i just put them online so I can free up room in my closet. So I started the channel just as a place to put my audio. And then people yeah. started following the channel.
0: Huh. And, we, and, you got, we, and you got a lot of people
1: following. Yeah, it's about 30,000 people following it. We post radio air checks. Uh, people started sending me air checks. So we had right. air checks going from like 1949 right up to like 2010 and we do any format talk alternative classical any format and try to just really preserve the work of some of the great personalities our business has produced because i'm like nobody's really saving this stuff for the future so i said it may as well be me
0: so listen let's don't miss our opportunity here is there an email address where we can send you our air checks
1: (laughs) If you want to send anything, even your check from your very first job, I'd love to hear that. Uh, my address to reach me is Ellis, E-L-L-I-S, Ellis at Feaster, F-E-A-S-T-E-R, family.com. Ellis at FeasterFamily.com. Or All you can right. find me on Facebook. Just look for Ellis Beaster on Facebook. You'll find me there. because Nobody else has my name.
0: That's right. It's I always thought that your name was so unique, you know, and. I always wanted to ask you, is that your real name?
1: You know, my whole career I've gotten that. Everybody says, what's your real name? That is my real name. If this were Ray TV, I'd show you the driver's license. My parents gave me that name. I even had a couple of program directors ask me to change my name because they just thought it was too odd.
0: Oh, my. All right, so let's talk about barbecue. Yeah. Where does your love of barbecue come from? What's the best? Please. Oh, bear. bear us nothing.
1: I, <laughs> I, I, it comes from my dad. My dad would barbecue, but he would burn everything. And he would oh. say, Oh, the burnt parts where the flavor is. <laughs> oh. <laughs> so I started barbecuing. I started learning from guys like Steven Reichlin and Bobby Flay and some others and just started to pick up techniques and ways to do it. I wound up buying a big green egg so I can do my briskets all night long. Um, I, I've just always loved it. And after a hectic week of radio, there's something fun about just getting up Saturday morning, firing that grill, and oh, I'm going to be tending to this for the next four to six hours. I love okay. it. And, and, and look. the best barbecue, Oh yes. there's a place, there's so many good places. It's hard to pit one against the other. There's so many places in Texas I love. There's places in the Carolinas I love. Here in Orlando, I'll give it some love because it's right here in my hometown. Uh there's a chain called Four Rivers Barbecue. It's been around for about 10 years and it is uber popular in Central Florida. So if you come here to Disney, you gotta stop at Four Rivers Barbecue.
0: Right. I see the line forming right now. I gotta ask this. Uh is it true? Is the is is the burnt part the part with the flavor, fellas?
1: Um, I think it adds flavor when there's a little bit. If there's a lot like my dad would make it, then it's just burnt. Well, I
0: see. All right. So listen, nobody knows the future. I always like to tell people that this is the one question that this is you paying to be on the interview. You have to answer this incredibly tough question. And I always take people off the hook right away. And I say, look, nobody knows the future. So it's no big deal. Whatever you say. It certainly doesn't stop us from asking you to predict things a little bit. Can you give us your view of what you hope local radio becomes in the future? What do you think? What's your vision for that?
1: Well, I hope it stays the center of the community, or at least goes back to that. It's like it once was. I think it's going to require us to think outside the box. I think it's going to require us to move with the technology. Uh, I think sometimes we as jocks, when we've done it this way for 20, 30, 40 years, we think there's no need to change, but we do. Uh, For example, I'll give you a good reason. I noticed so many young people, they don't listen to the radio like they used to. I don't know if it's uh, 10 commercials in a row that scares them off. I'm not sure if it's all the... (laughs) Uh, It could be all the new technology that's out there, from the Spotify to the Pandora to just being able to stream your own music anywhere in the world. They have so many options. When we were kids, if we wanted to hear music, we pretty much had two choices, the radio and American Bandstand. That was about it. But they have so many options. And I just think radio has to do a better job of just showing youngsters, millennials, and those Gen Wire, Gen Zers, how much fun this could be, how big a thing this could be, and how much more impact it can have rather than just stations playing a bunch of music with no personality and then playing 12 commercials in a row. We've just got to do things to reinforce our relevance to younger people, or else they may fly away.
0: It's so interesting that you say that. My version of that is, we have to show up. Yes, we have to show up. You can't phone it in. You can't just do the basics. You have to show up. You have to bring creativity and imagination to things.
1: And yes, boy, I, I think we, I go ahead. I, I have talked to so many people, young people who will drop in on my YouTube channel where I've got all these great personalities like Larry Lujak, uh, mm. Dan Ingram, um, the real Don Steele, and they'll listen to like, radio was really like that? Like, yeah, it was fun. And they're surprised. I have some people that are almost taking school lessons listening to my YouTube channel. By the way, if you want to find the YouTube channel, just search me, Ellis Easter, and you'll see it. <laughs> excellent, excellent. Listen, Ellis,
0: Thank you for spending this time with us and being our guest and giving us such great wisdom
1: from a personality with so much joy. Well, thank you so much. And also, Lloyd, thank you so much for just doing this whole encourager thing because it seems like today in radio, as an on-air talent, as a salesperson, as a programmer, there's very little encouragement we get. I can remember back in the day, you'd have consultants that would encourage you and station management that does. But with things being so hectic and so busy today, uh, we just really don't have that. So I thank you for doing this on a weekly basis.
0: Thank you so much. You know, when I decided to do that thing, I swore I would never do, which is consult radio stations. I said, well, okay, if I'm going to do that, we're going to put encouragement at the center of things. Who doesn't need more encouragement, right? Yeah. Listen, sure please don't please don't take for granted what we're doing here. Help us by sharing this episode of our podcast directly from our website. So easy. In the free blog section, you can share with others that you know who really want to take advantage to get ahead in our business today, right now. That's right. We're encouraging here. Rainmakerpathway.com anytime. This episode of The Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast, is designed to encourage radio pros at all levels just like the 145-plus other episodes that are already in our archive when you subscribe for free on your smartphone. We want to say a very special thank you to today's guest, LSB Feaster, Mornings Z88.3 in Orlando, and I've also got to, like, slam this in there, Barbecue uh, a Wizard, also the guy with that channel on YouTube. you got to be a part of that, and always with a smile. A very special thank you to Joe Kelly for producing our podcast and JustJoeProductions.com for creating our audio footprint and distributing the Encouragers, the Radio Rally podcast. Please listen closely because we say this all the time on our podcast. We also say it to clients regularly, quote, once you have a radio station, you can get anything else you want, unquote. I mean that with my whole soul. If you want to know more about this philosophy and how it works in any radio market, please reach out to me in any way you want to. It is my passion to talk about why radio can be larger than most people think today, and I absolutely love to prove it to clients. No one can stop you when you have great strategy, solid process, and you're committed with passionate execution. If you don't remember anything else from our podcast today or any of our episodes, please remember this. Be kinder than you have to be. Thank you for being a part of the radio rally with the encouragers. Now Go
1: make it a great week in local radio.